you have a copy of God's word, turn with me to Ruth chapter one. <clears throat> we'll be closing out chapter one here this morning. Ruth chapter one. The verse range will be verses 19 through 22. And we'll be looking at Naomi's homecoming. Uh, we can probably say that it's a bitter homecoming for her because of her perspective. But Naomi's homecoming, verses 19 through 22. We'll see her return and the timing of her return uh, here this morning. Both of those things are significant. So look with me at the text. This is God's word. Verse 19. So the two, uh, the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, and the women said, excuse me, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Again, this is God's word. <clears throat> In Ruth, what we see on the pages of scripture is God acting in history. God acting in history to redeem his people. Also, we see God acting in ordinary people lives. Acting in ordinary people lives, bringing about his ordained purpose and plan. It's important that we we note that we note that that God not only works in history, but he works in the lives of people. We, he works in the lives of people who are struggling. He works in the lives of people who are dealing with difficulties and perhaps is struggling dealing with difficulty. We have to acknowledge this. We can't look over this and, and, and try to live our lives as stoic Christians who don't struggle, who don't deal with issues. This is, I, I must say, particularly in the Reformed faith, people live as if, and, and they relate as if nothing ever happens to them. They never struggle with anything. But scripture is transparent. Scripture lifts up people who struggle with life, who struggle with their emotions, who struggle with sin, scripture lifts them up so that we can look at that and be encouraged and say, we don't have to be ashamed. God is still working in our lives. Our difficulties are part of 
his purpose. That should bring some joy, particularly in this time of year when 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 around Thanksgiving, around Christmas, depression and it's a big issue that people are dealing with. They they hide it and they hold it in. But difficulties, our struggles are a part of God's purpose and plan. And we'll see that with Naomi, even as she struggled, God is still leading her to his end goal for her. Our difficulties don't hinder God's redemptive purpose working in our lives for the sake of Christ. We must get that. Why? Because the cross of Jesus Christ was a part of God's, as Peter said, predetermined plan. He didn't hide it. We, it's on the pages of Scripture, and we'll talk about that later on. Christ and his suffering, it is prophesied in Isaiah. It is seen in the Gospels. God, God's son suffered and we see it on the pages of scripture because it is part of God's plan and purpose, his predetermined plan. God was working in all that Christ suffered to bring about good in our lives. And God often does the same in ours. The famine and the loss in, in Naomi's life led to the salvation of Ruth. We talked about this uh, last week. Remember, Elimelech, Naomi, and uh, their two sons went to Moab, and Elimelech and her two sons died, and, and Naomi and Orpah and Ruth was all that was left. And, and, and yet... Uh, it, it seems like a, a tragic situation and and the struggle was real for Naomi, but God was still working behind the scenes. God was working behind the scenes of her life. And and this didn't lessen the pain and the loss that Naomi experienced in and through her affliction. It, it didn't lessen it. It didn't lessen the suffering that she felt perhaps internally, but it did give purpose to me. We have the insight of seeing the whole story. She didn't have the view that we have as she was going through and dealing with loss in her life. We, 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 look, we see the whole story and we can sit back and, and look and say, I would never do something. I would never struggle like that. That's, that's not wise to think in that way. And, and so Naomi uh, is, 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 is dealing with, with suffering and loss, and, 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 and yet God is at work. God, God is at work. Her, her afflictions that she was dealing with was not senseless. They, they were a part of God's redemptive plan. And this should comfort us in the midst of grief and in, the, in circumstances that are, are difficult. It should comfort us and help us to understand that, that 
that life is not out of, out of control when we experience the loss of a loved one. It's going to happen one day. You go, we're going to experience loss. And, 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 and books like Ruth and books like Lamentations and like Job encourage us to, to acknowledge, and, and, and the Psalms, they encourage us to acknowledge the loss, but, but don't get bogged down in it. Pr- press on through it. Look to God. Look, look to the character and the nature of God and press through it. And so let's look at our text today and, and, and get the insights that, uh, some of the insights that God wants us to, to see here. First, we'll see a bitter return in, in uh, Naomi's arrival, verse 19. Look at verse 19. <clears throat> so the two of them, notice, the two of them went on until, notice the pronouns, went on uh, until they came to Bethlehem. Before we go on, we must think about what has just happened. <clears throat> Look back at verse number six of chapter one. And we see there. We see it says, then she, Naomi, arose with her daughter-in-law, daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Now, we must say here uh, that this visitation of, of Yahweh and this giving of food was in response to their repentance and their return to God. And so uh, that, that is implied uh, because we know that in the book of Judges that the people were living in rebellion. There was rebellion, repentance, rebellion, repentance. There was this cycle that went on. And here we see God visiting the same word that is used when God visited his people with judgment. Now he visits his people with blessing. And so we, we see that here in verse six, she arose. She arose with her daughters-in-law to return from Moab. This, this is a journey from Moab to Bethlehem in Judah. Now, some say that the trip was approximately 50 to 75 miles. 50 to 75 miles over rugged and steep terrain. Now, whatever path that they took, we're we, we not told what path they took. Uh, uh, if they went southwest, uh, they had to go around the Dead Sea, go up and around the Dead Sea. And if they went southwest, they would, uh, southwest, they would have to cross the Zared Brook. Uh, if they went northwest, they would have to cross the River Jordan. And there were steep hills and steep terrain that they would have to cross. And it would, and, and some would say it probably would have taken Ruth and Naomi seven to ten days, ten days or more to make this journey on foot. Remember that. It appears, now this is, you, Arpa went back, remember. So it's Naomi and Ruth. It doesn't say any men went with them. Right? 
uh, it doesn't say any men was on the trip. This was a dangerous trip for two women to be traveling alone. And the text says back uh, here in uh, verse 19, it says, so the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. Don't miss that. They came to Bethlehem. This treacherous journey, two women traveling by themselves, God's hand of protection provided protection for them and it brought them to their destination. Beloved, Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel, took care of these two widows. His hand of protection guided them. He took care of them in Moab. <laughs> he lifted the famine and opened the way for Naomi to come home. And now he, he has taken care of them as they return to Bethlehem. The invisible providence of God. And guess what? Naomi doesn't see this. Naomi doesn't see, she, she doesn't, she's blind to what God is doing. And we'll see that. But notice it says, so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. The journey was successful. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. We'll see something else here. Naomi and Ruth's arrival causes, in a sense, an uproar in the whole town. It, it, it really is just, just a way of saying that the, the, it's, it's the women uh, that, that was there and that, that met them, it says uh, uh, they, were, they were stirred. And it says, and the women said, is this Naomi? The women were surprised that Naomi perhaps was without her husband and two sons. This is Naomi coming back. She, she has arrived with Ruth uh, and she doesn't have her husband and her two sons. And they're probably taking note of that. And not only are they probably taking note of that, they're probably taking note of the uh, of Naomi herself. She has suffered. She has been dealing with the loss of her husband and her two sons. And if you know anything about suffering, when people suffer, suffering has a way of showing itself physically in our bodies. It, it'll show itself. And sometimes it, it can bring about uh, uh, pain in the body. Uh, it can bring about, uh, lack of a better word, wear and tear on the face where you go through something that is difficulty and it begins to show on your face. I, I, uh, I had a time in my life when uh, I was going through a difficult time, just to give you an example, and uh, I was dealing with, with, I mean, something that was, it was, it was emotional, uh, it was emotional suffering I was dealing with, and it was tremendous for me. And I remember I went into my first sergeant office one day. I was a young sergeant and I went into his office and he 
he called me in for something, but while I was there, he said, son, do you need to go see a psychiatrist? I'm like, what? That may have caught me off guard. And uh, what it was was that he, he was seeing something in my face. He was seeing the suffering that I was going through. It was showing on my face. It was showing in, in, uh, physically in, uh, in some way. He, I didn't ask him. I just went away like, what? He just told you to go to psychiatry. Do I need? I'm like, what? I mean, at the time, I didn't understand. But suffering has a way of showing itself uh, in, uh, uh, on, our, on our face. Listen to Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, his uh, view on this. He said, quote, the man who is dejected and disquieted and miserable who is unhappy and depressed, always shows it on his face. He adds, you take one glance at him and you see his condition, end quote. And this might be what is happening here. They're saying like, is this, is this Naomi? But, but, but notice that all the attention is given to Naomi. That there's no attention. They don't say anything about Ruth. You see that? There's no attention given to Ruth. They don't say, who is this? Who is this lady? You know, and, and, and we can learn something even from this. How do you respond to visitors when they come to, to church? Do you have a desire to get to know them in order to hear of God's goodness in their life? These these women, they respond. Oh, look. Uh, is this Naomi? They didn't say anything about Ruth. Uh, they should have been, in a sense, uh, rejoicing. This is this is a, a a pagan who has turned to Yahweh. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke fifteen and ten when he, about a, a sinner who who comes. It says Jesus said, "There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents." And there is no response in our text of the women to Ruth who have turned her back on her old life and in a sense given her life to the true God. There is no response. But the Bible says that there is a joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There, there is joy in heaven. And sad to say, there's men in the church who so, are so focused upon themselves that, that they don't see what God is doing. So focused on, on, on themselves that they don't see what God is doing outside of themselves. It goes unnoticed. There's little concern for what God is doing in someone else's life. And so they perhaps get, you get looked over. Ruth is, she, she is left out. Even by Naomi. And, and, and it was God's grace that brought Ruth into Naomi's life, and Naomi doesn't even bring her up. This is Ruth is God's providence. Some God brought her along, and she is God's providence for Naomi. Because the son that she will have, they will say later on in chapter four. This is Naomi's son. She's there to be a blessing to Naomi. 
and she doesn't see it. Look at verse 20. Let your eyes look at the text and notice the personal pronouns in Naomi's response. Notice the eyes and the me's in Naomi's response. This is her response, verses 20 and 21. She said to them, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. In biblical times, a person's name reflected their character. And so here it is. Naomi refuses to be called by her given name. From her perspective, her life is the opposite of her name. From her perspective. And notice, she said, she said, call me Mara, but nobody does. Nobody takes her up on this. Nobody uh, calls her by what she desires to be called. But she's trying to bring other people into her bitterness. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. But why does she? But why does she change? Why does she change the name? Look at what the text says. It goes on and says, "For the Almighty has dealt very." bitterly with me. She said that the almighty, the powerful and majestic, majestic one has dealt very bitterly with her. Look at verse 21. You see how, how, how uh, she sees this. She says in verse 21, I went away full and the Lord, Yahweh, has brought me back empty. Now, Naomi, is a, we notice she's a believer. She has theology here that she still is holding on to. She knows that God is the Almighty. She knows that her God is Yahweh. She knows that, that the Almighty rules in, uh, uh, in the personal affairs of men. She knows that. She said, Yahweh has brought me back empty. It, it, she, in a sense, she said, I went away with everything. And I returned with nothing. Is that true? Didn't she leave in a time of famine? She, and the focus really is upon what she lost. And, and, and uh, the loss of her, her family in a sense, her husband and her two sons. And the, fo the focus is upon that past experience. And the focus is up, really upon her. The, 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 her focus is upon herself, what she has lost. And she has defined her life by these experiences. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mar. My life now is is defined by my by what has happened and my response to what has happened this is how i define my life now she's seeing her life not just her life and people through this lens through the lens of her hurt and loss she's and, and because of this she's blinded to god's goodness in her life 
God has allowed the word of his covenant faithfulness, which we read in verse six of his visitation and blessing of his people with food. He allowed that word to get back to her and to move her to return to Bethlehem. It, uh, it, and most importantly, it moved her to leave Moab. To leave that pagan land. And yet she don't bring this up. And she's not thankful. She, she, she doesn't thank God for what he's done. She fails to acknowledge that God protected her and Ruth during their journey. And she says nothing about the fact that God in, in his mercy has enabled Ruth not only to commit herself to her, her people, but also to God without any promise of blessing. God didn't promise Ruth any type of blessing if she left Moab and went with Naomi. And yet God gave uh, Ruth such a heart that she, she made that choice willingly and happily and, and joyfully. And Naomi doesn't say anything about that. And it makes you wonder how Ruth felt. Standing right there. Right by her. And she's talking about herself. Makes you wonder how Ruth felt. Being passed over, not just by Naomi, but by the other women. They passed over as, she, as if she was invisible. Ruth, again, who is the testimony of God's providential blessing. To Naomi, and Naomi doesn't see this because her focus is up on her loss. When Naomi's family left Bethlehem for Moab, the land was in a famine. And now when Naomi and Ruth arrives back, even though Naomi doesn't have her husband and her sons, the land is experiencing, the people are experiencing a bountiful harvest from God. And Naomi doesn't recognize this. She only sees what has happened to her. And this teaches us we must be careful not to get so focused on ourselves that we miss God's providential blessing in our lives. Yes, God's working, again, as I said in the beginning, it doesn't minimize the hurt and the loss. We have to acknowledge that. But God doesn't want us to get stuck there. Because in reality, all belongs to him. Our loved ones belong to him. What, what comes in our lives as far as providence, the clothes, the food, all of that belongs to him. Even our lives belong to him. And he can do with us as he please. But we know that that even as as with with our lives and 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 all that 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 we own and all that we are belongs to him it belongs to him who loves us and so there there is a time for grieving uh and we all grieve differently 
but and one of the things and I don't have this in my notes, but one of the things I, I thought about with Naomi is that maybe one of the challenges she had was that she's been away from the people of God. There's been nobody there to encourage her. She got these pagans. They don't really know anything about God besides what they were taught by Naomi and uh, the, the two sons and they, they don't know anything about God. So there's nobody there encouraging Naomi while she's in Moab. And perhaps this is a reason why that she is struggling with her emotions. There's nobody there saying, Yahweh, remember what, what Yahweh said to, to, to Moses. Remember what Yahweh said to Abraham. Remember the promises. There, there's nobody there doing that for Naomi. And, and and maybe this is why, maybe this is part of why she's struggling as well. But it, it shows us the importance of the people of God. It shows us the importance of the word of God. Because there will be times when we will be tempted to be bitter at what God is doing, at the, the providence, the dark providence of God in our lives. We will be tempted to be bitter at God, at other people. And we need the people of God around us to be praying for us and to help keep us focused. Well, look at the text and notice what Naomi goes on and says. She said, why call me Naomi when, the, uh, when Yahweh has testified against me? And, and, and the, the language she uses here is, is to project the image of her being in, in, a, in the cosmic court with Yahweh as her accuser, where she is being convicted and held guilty. She said, why call me Naomi when Yahweh testified against me? Uh, he has convicted me uh, and I'm guilty uh, in a sense. And, and she goes on and says, and the Almighty has brought calamity. upon." I think the... <laughs> The play on words, there's a play on words here as well. You got the almighty and you got this little widow. <laughs> I, I'm just a little widow, you know, and you got the almighty who is testifying against me. I think that says something about her uh, viewpoint of, of God, seeing God through her hurt. But she says the almighty has brought this calamity upon me. She attributes her suffering to the hand of God. But she does not say why God has done this. Why is it that God has brought this calamity upon her? She doesn't say. Verse 21 says, I went away. Perhaps that's, you know, she, she acknowledges she says, uh, I went away. What does she mean she went away? It's, she says that in, in, in uh, I went away in, in this verse. She says, I, I went away full. So that means that when she's talking about that her and her family left Bethlehem. So in a sense, she's acknowledging that they did leave Bethlehem which was wrong. They, they shouldn't have left Beth, Bethlehem. 
she acknowledges that I went away. And she says here that the Almighty has brought calamity upon me, but she doesn't connect the two. She doesn't say, because I went away, Yahweh has brought this about in my life, is what I'm trying to say. There, there is, she doesn't connect the two. There, there is no signs of a repentant heart. There's only signs of a bitter heart. There, there, some of the commentaries that I, I have, they say that she was repentant. I just, I don't see it in, in the text. Uh, I don't see that she's repenting. Uh, all I see is that she's bitter. That, that she is bitter. And, 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 and think about her attitude here and in light of all that God has done. God has shown her mercy. God, God has shown her mercy. He's been gracious to her. He, he has given her what she had, what she does not deserve, even though she left with her husband and sons to Moab. She's not dead like them. She deserved death. We all deserve death. But God, who is rich in mercy, when we were dead in trespasses and sin, when we were dead, we were dead in trespasses and sin, and God saved us. Yah, uh, 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 Naomi is in the land of pagans, in a sense, in a land of death. And God has brought her back from that land. God has been merciful to her. She deserved death. But God let her live and he continues to bless her. He's blessed her in Moab, kept her safe in Moab on the journey. She's arrived at the time of harvest. God has been good to her. And it is true. It is true what Solomon says in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 through 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It has never ceased in Naomi's life. His mercy never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God is the, the unseen providence of God's merciful and gracious hand is at work in Naomi's life. And she doesn't see it. And oftentimes we're the same way. We're tempted to be like Naomi. But sometimes we have to speak to ourselves what is true about not only ourselves, but about the God that we serve. Sort of like David in Psalm 103. 
David says this. He says, bless and listen to the listen to the emotion uh, that he's dealing with. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and heal all your diseases and redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfy you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteous, uh, righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in a steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal. And this is what we need. One of the things that we need to remind ourselves over and over again. David said he does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquity. He says in Psalm 42, there comes a time where you just, you, you have to, you have to, take the truths of God and, and remind yourselves of them. And, 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 and this will be a battle, battle going on within you. He says uh, in, in uh, Psalm 42, uh, matter of fact, he, he goes and he says this, talking about what he's dealing with in verse four. He says, the things that are you dealing with, he says, uh, as I pour out my soul, uh, how how could I, how I would go uh, with the throng and lead them in a procession to the house of God and glad shouts and songs of praise, a multi-keeping uh, festival. He says of himself in verse five, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I again, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. They, he, 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 he acknowledges that his soul is cast down, that there's turmoil going on within him. And, and, and he's not praising God, but he says, for I shall again praise him. He, he's acknowledging the reality of suffering, the impact of suffering on him and it's impacting him and, and his, his, his emotions. And, and, and he goes on and he says, uh, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. Your, all your breakers and, and your waves have gone over me. He's acknowledging this is, this is the way I, I feel about the circumstances of my life. I feel like I'm drowning. Verse 8 of Psalm 42 says, but by day, the Lord commanded his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to my God, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? He feels forgotten. Why do I go on mourning? He's, he's mourning because of the oppression of the enemy. 
as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me and they say to me all the day long, where is your God? He's being taunted by other people, by the enemies. And then he speaks to himself again in the last verse. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You see, the, the, the Bible is real. That Naomi's struggle is real. And it's, and it's showing us the, the, the struggles that we have in life. And as Christians, we will have times where we will struggle with handling difficulties, with handling loss in our lives. And, 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 and it can blind us to God's goodness. While, while we are complaining, God is being good to us. And, and we could be blinded to that. And the, 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 the wonderful truth that we learn from Naomi's life is that even though we may struggle, that doesn't hinder God from doing what he's going to do in our lives. Don't, don't miss that. She is struggling. She, we, we, we have her testimony on the pages of Scripture being lifted up. And, and, and yet we, we, we know the end of the story. It's all good. Doesn't minimize the loss, doesn't minimize the pain, but it also doesn't hinder God's goodness. And, and this is what the psalmist always kept in perspective. And Naomi has experienced tremendous loss. And I, I can't imagine losing a spouse, much less two sons. She's struggling. And yet she comes home. As she is. She, she comes as she is. God brings her home as she is. Sort of like the prodigal coming home dirty, stinking, having been in the pig trough, eating the pig slop. Dirty, stinking. This, this is our God. We see his hand at work in Naomi's life. She comes in weakness and despair. God is at work. Working out his good purpose in her life, even though she is a mess. And notice the timing. Verse 22. The story doesn't end there. We know that it doesn't end there. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the, the country of Moab. Again, this is because God's mercy and God's covenant faithfulness to Naomi as, as uh, one of the people, as part of the people of God. And even though she's been selfish, in her, in her perspective, Yahweh is still working out. Look what he says. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. In God's providence, Naomi and Ruth are arriving in Bethlehem in a time of plenty. Verse 1 of this chapter starts with famine and it ends with a time of plenty. Naomi left Judah because of the famine 
Now she comes back and there's a bountiful harvest because of God. A bountiful harvest of which she and Ruth will benefit. And so, as a close, sometimes life doesn't turn out the way we, as we hope it. Many of us will struggle. That's a reality. Many of us will struggle during these times. Many of us will struggle with ourselves, our emotions, our feelings. And the reality is, is that many around us may not even recover from such loss like Naomi. But the book of Ruth, the book of Job, the book of the, the Psalms, Lamentations, let us know that as human beings, that, it, that, it, that we will struggle, but that, that the struggle, is, and the struggle is real, but, it, but there is hope. We, we will struggle, but we must look to God and his grace on handling our emotions and dealing with our failures, our doubts, and our sin and our lives. And it's only the only way we can do that is looking to Christ, embracing what God said in his word rather than what we feel. And, and we must not allow the, the, the circumstances to eclipse God in our lives. Not even ourselves. We, we must not allow it to eclipse, eclipse God. To the point to where we miss his providential blessing in our life. Where we miss what God is doing. The Bible says that we're ought to always be thankful. And it's hard to be thankful when we're focused in upon ourselves. Rogers Ellsworth said this. He said, quote, much of our happiness in life hinges on making a, the deliberate choice to look at our blessings even while we are in the midst of trying circumstances, end quote. Sinclair Ferguson said this in his uh, commentary on Ruth. He says, quote, when we are discouraged or face difficulties or feel that God has deserted us, he says our great temptation is to turn in upon ourselves. We lose our sense of perspective, our objectivity. We need to be brought out of ourselves and have our gaze redirected from what we are and do to what uh, to what God is and does. He says this alone will provide the reorientation we all need for spiritual health. End quote. So we're going to struggle. This helps us to see that. But we must always remember that there's an end. <laughs> that there's an end of the story. And the end of the story is this. Christ. Christ. That's, we're getting ready to talk about Christ and, and his death. We, and and, and we, as we remember Christ and we set our focus upon Christ and the, and the fact that he suffered and he died, a horrendous death, something that that we will not, we don't know, and we won't experience ourselves if we trust in him. He has experienced suffering in a way that we cannot even imagine. And that's where our hope lies. 
It lies in the fact that Christ, and why has he done this? In order to bring us out of ourselves to God and ultimately to bring us into his glory in heaven. That's the end. That's God's good purpose in our lives. And we must acknowledge that and struggle to live that truth out in our lives every day. Let us pray. <clears throat> God, I, I do acknowledge that life is difficult and losing a loved one to death is something that is painful, uh, it's tremendous pain and emotional pain uh, comes from uh, losing a loved one. And Father, we are reminded that even though we may experience loss and difficulties, we don't have to let these things define our lives because th that's not the end of what you're doing in our life. As a matter of fact, you have a a greater purpose at work in our life. And that greater purpose is that your son will be glorified through our lives. And that's what you are, are, are working out is, is uh, Christ likeness. We, we, we go through circumstances that force us to, to let go of all the things that we cling to in this life and turn away from those things and, and look to you as our only hope and source of joy and happiness in this world. And so, Father, I pray that in those times that, you know, acknowledging the suffering, that, that, that we do acknowledge that suffering does hurt, but also that you help us to see the blessing that you have brought about in our lives blessings in the past, blessings in the present, and the promise of blessing in the future. I pray that you will open our eyes to the bless, those blessings that we have and, and give us a heart of praise and thanksgiving that we can praise you and give you thanks even in the midst of, of difficult suffering. Even when life is hard and we're tempted to be bitter, we need your help, we need your grace. And help us to appreciate others in our lives. Because those whom you have brought around us, those whom we encounter on, on daily basis perhaps, are, a prov are, are in our lives providentially by your hand. And Father, may we never uh, turn a blind eye and, and, uh, upon what you're doing in the lives of others around us. Uh, help us to to have a, a a heart that that is that looks and desires to see your goodness, your good hand at work in in the lives of others, whether it's a big thing or a small thing, and so that we can give you thanks for that, and so we can praise you for what you're doing. And so, Father, I thank you, thank you for Naomi's life, her life that you have put here as a testimony and example to us so that we can walk in a way 
that glorifies you even in the midst of suffering. We thank you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.